A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax. And think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello and welcome to the Red Box Politics podcast in the Times. I'm Matt Chorley. This is the second in our special walking out with Tory leadership contenders. Um, the one problem, well, there's two problems with today's episode. We can't get to the park because it's all been fenced off for the benefit of Donald Trump. And it's raining quite, really quite heavily. I'm with Matt Hancock, who's kindly holding the umbrella. I'm not sure we're going to do very much actual walking. Well, I'm the sunshine and optimism candidate. <laughs> So, well, it's not working. So it's not I, working. It's another broken promise. No, but Matt, I believe that the weather is going to turn and that the future is bright and that just round that corner, the sun will come out and the world will be a better place. This is the sort of deranged nonsense we get from Brexiteers. If only we believed the sun was shining, it was all going to be all right. It's true that we've got a bright future ahead of ourselves. It's true that this is the best time ever to be alive. It's true that people live longer, healthier happier lives than ever before it doesn't mean there aren't lots of things we need to do to make it better uh, but ultimately if you look at if you if you start with a basis of an objective fact the world is getting better and it's our job to keep it that way right that's that's the sunny optimism in the drizzle i think we should try and find somewhere to go in and sit down i've already had enough of the rain Is, is is the pub out of the question yeah, let's not go to the pub. Let's go somewhere healthy. Hello, how are you? <laughs> Very nice to see you. Go on, then, of course, you've got to choose. You've got to choose somewhere healthy. <laughs> what about the crush bar over there? That's so Matt Hancock. Let's go to the crush bar. Let's try and get around this gravel area. So, how's it going? We'll talk properly about your leadership in a minute. But how does it feel? It feels great. It feels great. I'm enjoying the campaign. I I, I love making the argument. I uh, I believe very strongly in the need to cast this forward so that it's about the future and uh, and getting a really good response. Uh, not getting a great response. No, let's not go here because of the noise. Right, so we think we've, we've escaped the grinder. The, it stopped raining, so that's something. So, Matt Hancock... See, I told you that the sun was going to come out. That hasn't quite happened yet, but the rain has ceased, so we're on a journey. It's a half, we're halfway there. So, I suppose question number one, Matt Hancock, is why are you running to be leader? And more specifically, why are you still running to be leader? You've got, I think, 12 MPs backing you. That's uh, half of Jeremy Hunt, Michael Gove, a third of Boris Johnson. What's the point? Because this race needs to be about the future and we need a prime minister who can turn the page 
deliver Brexit and then move on to all the other things that we need to do as a country to move forward. And the energy and the optimism and the, and the, and the positivity that we need to see uh, is what I've delivered in uh, many different roles in government. And I'm ready to take up the mantle that, is, that, we, that we so desperately need. And I think that the whole country, having seen the, you know, the pretty difficult politics of the last few years and the fact that the politics of this country is stuck in a rut and we need to lift it up and cast forward. Does that mean that Boris Johnson, Michael Gove, Jeremy Hunt aren't candidates of the future? Well, I, I clearly believe that the best way forward for this country is to have a, a fresh start and a fresh face. And I believe that I represent uh, that fresh face. Um, I have, of course, I have uh, experience in several different senior roles. Um, but I haven't been a main player in the great um, Brexit uh, row. So do you think that being a, a clean skin like that, the fact you didn't front either of the main campaigns, is that an advantage for you? Yes, undoubtedly. And, I, and, and there's a reason. It's because the country wants to move forward uh, from Brexit. We must deliver Brexit and then move forward. And that is easier done and better done uh, if you're able to... Uh, bring a fresh perspective, uh, as opposed to be, having been um, part of those debates of the past. And um, so it's not only the right thing for the Conservative Party, it's the whole country. You know, we need to turn a page and we need to move forward. What was the point when you decided to run? Because obviously, although the Prime Minister only confirmed a couple of weeks ago that she was going, there's been, you know, it, 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 she'd said she wasn't going to fight the next election. At what point did you decide to run? It was a few months ago when colleagues came to me and said, they made this argument to me. They said, we really need to turn a page and we need to have a, have a fresh start. And that was what prompted me to start uh, considering uh, whether I should put my name forward. And then as I sought support, I got more support. Uh, and uh, I also believe in the case that I'm making uh, very, very strongly, that we need not just to be stuck in the de de debates of today. And it's so important that we, uh, uh, that, that we do that. You know, we're in, a, we're in a very significant moment in this country's history. We are facing some very significant uh, challenges. The Conservative Party is facing very significant political challenges. By that, by the, how bad is it, do you think, for the Tory party? Is it existential. I mean, some people, I interviewed Matthew Paris on this podcast last week, he said he thought that it was possible the toy party doesn't exist by the end of next year. Well, it, it's certainly very serious and um, we need to win back, not just voters who voted for the Brexit party, and we do that by delivering Brexit, it's very important. We also then need to move forward and focus on the things, the everyday issues that matter to people and win back people who voted Lib Dem, uh, people who've flirted with voting for Jeremy Corbyn. And if we just target Brexit voters, then I can't see how we can win elections in the future. Um, we need to build a broad base of support once again. And, you know, the, um, all of the evidence shows that we face a political threat, both from people leaving to 
vote for the Brexit party and for people leaving to vote for parties like the Lib Dems and younger people attracted to Jeremy Corbyn despite the fact that they share values with us and the barrier to voting for us is not the values that we hold it's that they don't think that we stand for values of opportunity and uh, and aspiration and helping people to get on in life. Isn't it also because you're seen as the party of Brexit and overwhelmingly young people don't support Brexit and so you've just become toxic to a whole generation? Well, I think that we need to deliver Brexit but not be defined by it. Move on to the things that unite the party, like having a strong economic narrative that we will make your, you know, we'll, we'll make sure there's more money in your, in your account by the end of the month. You know, that's how Conservatives win elections. So yes, you know, we we need to uh, we need to make sure that we can move on. You keep using the phrase "deliver Brexit." What is it that you think that you can do that has eluded Theresa May for the last three years? Well, the starting point is that with a mandate, having won the leadership election, having made clear in advance what my Brexit plan is, I would have a mandate to deliver that. Um, the second thing. Do you think that was the problem then? Was Theresa May hamstrung because she didn't face a, a proper contest in 2016? She no, never I, had a mandate? Or did she just not have a well, plan? She, she didn't set out in advance, of course, because she took over straight after the um, referendum. She didn't set out in advance her yeah. Brexit plan. Uh, but also she started on a different plan than the one she ended up with. Whereas I'm being very clear about how I deliver Brexit, I think it's the only plan that is credible for being delivered both through the House of Commons and with the... EU. There's some other uh, leadership contenders putting forward plans like a second referendum or a customs union um, that simply won't get the um, support of the bulk of the Conservative Party. They are undeliverable by, the con- by a Conservative government. And then there are others who are saying we should run at no deal and it doesn't matter that Parliament has already legislated against the government. Um, to uh, stop no deal but that does matter you know no deal is not a credible policy choice available to the next prime minister because parliament will stop it like it did last time and um, and so i have the only credible plan to actually deliver brexit and it's different from theresa may's plan firstly because the future arrangement far more focus on needs to be on the future and I'm proposing a free trade agreement, not a customs-type arrangement. Also, that we take very seriously and work on the issues around implementing that, implementing the need to have a, uh, an independent trade policy for the UK and no hard border in Northern Ireland, delivering that through a, an Irish border council um, and bringing all sides together on how we implement that. Um, and as part of this overall package, having a, a time limit on the backstop, which we know that the EU looked at, uh, but ultimately didn't offer because they didn't think that the deal was going to get over the line. And what happens if the EU just says no, just says this is the deal on offer, we told Theresa May there's a deal that's on offer. It's exactly the same, Matt Hancock, we're not going to change. No, the EU has made clear that it's open to... Uh, to changes to the future relationship. I mean, only last night, uh, the uh, Emmanuel Macron uh, said that um, he's open to those changes. Michel Barnier has made clear that he's open to so-called alternative arrangements, um, which this uh, this my plan builds on because 
It's about more than the technology, it's about the administrative arrangements and the political support at the border. Um, so the EU is open to this approach. Okay, let's, um, let's, let's imagine then, let's fast forward these next few weeks, let's imagine you do win, you become Prime Minister, what's your, your, your message outside Downing Street, what's your big, your big sell to the country? It's that we need to deliver Brexit because we live in a democracy and we need to deliver it in a way that helps to bring the country together and then we need to turn with energy and optimism to all of the other problems that this country faces uh, and we need to get things moving. Who's in your top team? Who's, who, who do you have around the cabinet table with you? Well, I have a steadfast rule that I'm not going to uh, consider answering that question <laughs> in advance of becoming Prime Minister. Oh, well, that's, uh, we'll just walk in silence and the jizz off a little bit instead. <laughs> now, one thing that you used to do, um, you used to do this for David Cameron, you used to help him prep for PMQs. Do you think you'd be good at doing PMQs? I, 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 I love performing in the House of Commons. Of course, PMQs is a different level. Um, most senior uh, politicians have uh, performed in a rowdy and full house, um, and um, as I have, but doing it every week, that is a big thing. I'd relish it, I think. I, I, love, uh, I, love, I love being at the dispatch box. It's, it's one of the things I really enjoy, because I find it, it's both a privilege. Every single time you stand from the bench uh, behind the at the dispatch box and you put your hands on the uh, on the brass casing uh, of that box and you read um, that it is a gift from the government of New Zealand um, and you uh, and you look across the commons I feel a great sense of uh, pride and uh, that it's an honor and a privilege to be there and, and so it, it does it does lift you and I, I, I relish that and from your time helping David Cameron prep for PMQs, what's the, what's the secret, do you think, to getting through PMQs? Uh, um, to, firstly, to have thought of all the possible um, questions. And secondly, uh, to, um, to have confidence in yourself and your ability to answer the question. So, you know, one of the things that I've uh, really enjoyed about this uh, leadership contest so far is that having been a, um, a, a, a loyal uh, member of the government for six years now and abided by collective responsibility, even whilst it was fraying around the edges, um, I'm uh, free to say exactly what I think. Now, um, as uh, having confidence in your own views, having confidence in your the values, in why you ended up in politics in the first place and what you're trying to achieve, that helps you answer questions because it means that when you're asked a question that might come from a different angle or you haven't thought about before, you know, answering the question is always a really good starting point for how you should respond. We've talked before when we did an event at uh, the party conference last year about your dyslexia. Yes. Uh, are you worried about the impact that might have on being able to do the job? Or do you think it would be a sign of another glass ceiling or whatever you want to call it of, of someone with dyslexia becoming Prime Minister? I have oh, seen... We just be careful that there's quite a lot of horse... We're crossing the road just near Westminster Abbey. There's quite a lot of horses doofers, I think, as my grandmother would describe them, the on the floor and bikes and people carrying placards and Trump blimp balloons. It's not quite a carnival atmosphere, is it? It's a little bit drizzly. 
Sorry, so you were talking about your dyslexia. What impact do you think that would have on doing the job? Well, I've found that the more senior you get uh, in government, uh, the, the better the support you have to be able to make decisions. And ultimately, these, the senior jobs are about judgments. And of course, uh, it's important to, um, to, 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 to do the paperwork and, and read the details. But the capability of some of the people in the civil service who are around you to be able to synthesize the information that you need into a way that you can make decisions is uh, incredible. But ultimately, it isn't about the reams of, um, you know, it, it's about politics is about judgment and it's about being able to think laterally and creatively and it's about bringing people together and um, these are all skills that people who've uh, struggled with uh, dyslexia or other forms of uh, what's called neurodiversity in the medical parlance um, actually uh, often have more of uh, because your ability to plough through uh, endless long words and long paragraphs and long papers um, is, um, uh, is, is constrained. You were known for a long time as being, uh, well you obviously you worked for George Osborne, George Osborne's Chief of Staff, people occasionally mocked you for your, your loyalty and enthusiasm for George Osborne. Most famously I think Philip Davis made a joke about how if you got too far up George Osborne's backside, you might see Matt Hancock's shoes. Do you feel like you've, you've shaken off all that now? Yeah. I believe very strongly in the project that we were embarked on to improve the country and turn it around after the mess that Gordon Brown had made, especially of the economy. Uh, and um, so, uh, and, I, and I, loyalty is one of the values that I uh, hold dear. But, you know, truth be told, I don't agree with George on Europe, and Europe is the biggest subject of the day. So, in a way, that's put political uh, yeah, space between uh, me and George. Um, so he's not advising you on your campaign? Uh, no, and, you know, I, I, of course I respect him, and, but no, this is very much my campaign. You've got the evening standard to say vote Lib Dem in the European elections. Do you think you should still be in the Tory party? Oh, I'm not going to get into all that. I think that the Tory party needs to be broader than just those who currently vote Tory. Uh, is, that's, that's true right across the country. We need the Tory party to be full of people who voted for the Brexit party in the European elections. We need the Tory party to be full of people who voted Lib Dem in the, uh, in the European elections. We need the Tory party dominating the centre ground of British politics by concentrating on the issues that really matter to people and making this country a better place. That's the job. And do you think, in the end, was Theresa May just a bad Prime Minister? or Yes, a... <laughs> yes said a man walking past. Not to be clear, that wasn't Matt Hancock, although he may well agree at the moment. I tweeted after she, she resigned that she wasn't a bad person, she was just a bad Prime Minister, and people took issue with me in all directions. What, what do you think is the assessment? Theresa May is, is, a, is somebody who has a great sense of duty, who did the job to the very best of her ability, uh, and she did it with great um, dignity and poise, even in very difficult circumstances. Um, you know, people, you know, politics is a rough business at the top and uh, people were um, pretty rude about her and I think that she withstood all of that with, and, uh, and, uh, uh, with, uh, with poise. You, you haven't actually people, said... Actually, I think people saw uh, a lot of that in her 
um, speech on her departure. You haven't actually said that she was any good at doing it, though. She stuck at it and she had a sense of duty and she withstood a lot of rubbish that people like me threw at her. But in the end... Those things are important in doing the job well. You know, the the ability to see through the day-to-day noise. Okay, I'm slightly conscious of time and also the fact I've been walking around the drizzle for a while. Um, I want to ask you some of the questions that people tweeted in. Um, We'll do those after this short break. 
Not formally. I don't think that's in my gift. I think that's up to the speaker. You'll have to get him to walk around the park in the rain. <laughs> For some reason, John Burke has never taken me up on the kind invitation to do that. Um, someone called Mr F says, are you more Alan Partridge or David Brent? <laughs> I'm Matt Hancock. <laughs> Talking of which, how's the app doing? It's brilliant. How many, how many people are on it? Uh, it's, last time I checked it was around 10,000. Uh, and um, it's a great way of communicating with my constituents. And people, one person, I can't remember who this was, but somebody asked, if you become Prime Minister, will it, will it be rolled out nationally as a sort of rival to Facebook? At the moment, you, it, is, it, is, it is intended for people who are... Thank, thank you very much. Thank very, you. very good. We finally found that person you arranged to shout good luck in the leadership. <laughs> very good. The, the app's been brilliant for communicating with constituents. It also demonstrates, because we have a rule that if you go on it and are nasty or rude, then you just get kicked off. It shows that social media can be a nice place to be. Very good. Very good. Um, on the subject of social media, Alexander Lawson says, why does Nicholas Soames call you Matty Moo Moo? You have no idea. You'll have to get him to walk around the park in the rain after you've got... Uh, the speaker on uh, uh, Nicholas is a wonderful adornment um, uh, Jane Merrick says why have you given up on wearing your woolly tank top underneath your suit jacket oh, uh, there's a true story to this which is that um, when I was first uh, given a job which involved attending cabinet when I was the business and energy minister uh, for David Cameron I turned up wearing a uh, jumper on top of my uh, shirt and um, he turned to me and he said Matt who did? I, Who did? David Cameron. He said, I've, he, turned, he said, Matt, I've put you in the cabinet. Can you please dress appropriately? <laughs> so David Cameron told you to stop wearing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I took the instruction. Very good. Um, finally, I just want to talk about, let's, let's talk about a bit of non-politics. We're just approaching it's Parliament now. It's quiet, hasn't it? It's, gone, it's only gone much quieter and the rain's easing off a bit. How do you relax? I mean, as, as a former culture secretary, you must be across all new cultural zeitgeist in a way that us mere mortals can't be. What's your, what are you watching on TV at the moment? What's your box set? Oh, I'm watching Killing Eve. I can't wait for the second series to come uh, on at the end of this week, I think. It's coming on this weekend. Um, and so that's good. I spend as much time as possible with my kids. You know, that's the best way to relax because you can't, uh, you can't... Your mind can't whir on other things whilst you're, whilst you're you know, playing chess against an 11-year-old. Is that what you do? You play chess? Yeah, my, 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 my eldest son... He's a great chess fan. And, Who wins? Um, Are you a very competitive dad? <laughs> I'm, I'm competitive and uh, we, uh, we battle it out. I, <laughs> I'm basically, I'm at the, I, we're at the stage where if I start without a queen, it's completely even. But that's going to diminish, no doubt, to a rook and then a bishop <laughs> and, then, and then probably a pawn quite soon. And what about uh, music? What, you, you once wrote a piece of Red Box claiming to be a grime fan. What are you, yeah. what, what's currently on the Hancock uh, gramophone? Well... Uh, oh, that's a trouble we're coming around here. We've got the stop Brexit, man. Oh, dear, oh, dear. You'd have thought he'd have realised by now that it's not working, but he does persist. Yeah, what are you listening yeah. to at the moment? The kids are now getting old enough that they are the ones uh, starting to determine the Hancock household's uh, musical choices so lots of Jess Glynn at the moment uh, and um, another teen pop very good and do you sing or do you play a musical instrument well I sing with enthusiasm if not with ability <laughs> and uh, I, uh, I, I'm, I I play the piano very very badly but I wouldn't you wouldn't want to put it on a on a family podcast um, a colleague asked me to uh, I mean I don't but do you watch Love Island I, not no 
I've watched a couple of episodes. It's not really my kind of thing. Do you think, I mean, you've done a lot of stuff on mental health and that yeah. uh, sort of thing and you're, with your health secretary hat yeah. on. Is yeah. there an issue about these sort of reality yes. TV shows? Yes, there is. Look, the, it's, and we've seen some uh, horrific consequences of producers of shows like Love Island not taking the mental health of their contestants seriously enough. Uh, and um, they say that they have put in place more support for contestants. Um, but it needs to be for contestants, not just when they're on the show, but afterwards. You know, the sudden, the sudden emergence as a public celebrity, um, at the same time as going through what must be quite a tough, you know, mentally tough experience of being on Love Island, um, obviously needs an awful lot of support um, afterwards. Do you think, in the end, these shows just shouldn't be on? Well, look, it's not my kind of show. I don't much like it. Um, and um, I don't find it very interesting. <laughs> I've tried, my, colleagues tell me it's riveting, and I, I've tried watching it, and I, I'm baffled. There's Andrew Lansley. <laughs> Hello, Andrew. I just finally, then, as we're, we're now walking back up towards Parliament Square, we've gone the long way around. Big protests for Donald Trump there. Would, would Prime Minister Matt Hancock have invited Donald Trump for a state visit so soon? Yes, of course. He, 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 Donald Trump is the president of the United States of America, our closest ally. Uh, the per, the, whatever you think of any individual incumbent of the Oval Office, the, the values that bind the United Kingdom and the United States uh, transcend those personalities. And uh, we, uh, of course, uh, should uh, roll out the red carpet for the president of the United States. Um, and um, we must remember in these rows that we have that the values that bind us, the values of being democracies, the values of caring and having a system that respects the dignity of every individual, um, that, that is just fundamentally different to the value system of some uh, of other countries around the world and whilst of course we should engage and trade with the whole world we've got to remember the 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 fundamental uh, values that hold us together you know it was do you think that the values that Donald Trump shows whether it's towards women or towards immigrants live up to those shared values I don't much like all that but um, but it, it's it's about the it's about two countries not about two people and just finally, I should ask you, because there's been lots of speculation of people asking for Donald Trump's endorsement. If you ask Donald Trump... No, I have neither sought nor received the endorsement of the President of the United States. I'm ploughing my own furrow. And you're, you've, you've not been invited for dinner or drinks like Michael Gove or some of the others? No, I've, um, I, I, I've, I'm, I'm just getting on with the job and making my case. Matt Hancock, absolute pleasure. Thank you very much.